do what you're good at and turn it into some form of advocacy. Don't try to do something just because someone else is doing it. Like don't, you don't have to try to be a photographer. She is a photographer, she took that and she uses it for good. So we can take the gifts that we have. Artists are fantastic. Sue Ko, are you kidding? Sue Ko is the most amazing artist and she's captured factory farming and farming in a way that no one else has. And she's a famous artist. So take the gifts that you have and run with those, man. And, and if you're a good speaker, you're a good storyteller, you're good whatever, just run with it and do it. And, and I think we could conquer the world with just the passions that we have and putting them to good use. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Veg Talk podcast. You just heard from Susie Coston, the executive director from Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen, New York. She's this week's amazing guest. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and I can't wait to get this one started. Quick check-in first. How is everyone? How's the week been? I hope you've all been able to allow time for activities or projects that you love. If not, no need to worry. It's always a great time to start carving out that time. So start today and then repeat the process. An update on whereabouts Anna and I are in the world right now. We have made our way out of South Dakota, where you heard from us last, through Montana, Washington, and arrived in Portland, Oregon yesterday. I'm recording this intro roadside in Portland, Oregon, where we slept last night. So it's not always sexy, but in the cities, it tends to be a a little bit different. Along the way, it's been beautiful, still chilly, but also breathtaking scenery throughout those states. So now shifting focus to this week's incredible guest, Susie Coston. Susie runs the show at Farm Sanctuary at their upstate New York farm. And my word, the dedication to animals and hard work we saw from the team was so great to see. With the number of farmed animals being so astronomically huge, visiting a place that's a safe haven for animals where they are called by name, treated like family, was a very cool experience for us. Susie has been at Farm Sanctuary for 18 years and has seen the place grow and also other locations around the country. They had recently arrived home from bringing all their animals from their California location to their New York farm. An epic task, cross country with hundreds of animals. So grateful Susie was able to find time in a hectic schedule for this episode so I hope you enjoy it. Cool. So we're here at yeah. Farm Sanctuary <laughs> in Watkins Glen, and I've got a warm cup of coffee, and I'm with Susie Coston, and I'm pretty stoked to be here. Yay, me too. Yeah, so, glad to have you. so thankful that you were able to go, give up your time. Um, these guys are super, super busy. They were just telling me a story <laughs> that they've moved all of their animals from their California location all the way across the country. So we're going from the southwest to the northeast stopping every 12 hours to let the animals out and roam around and getting here on about eight hours sleep. Yeah. <laughs> that is, and that, you know, that's what they do for these animals. It's, it's incredible. So we're here to learn all about Susie and her journey. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Or for being here. <laughs> yes, no. Thanks for having us at such short notice when you guys are closed as well for, <laughs> for tours okay. and stuff. So Susie, so I suppose my first question is, were you always 
an animal lover growing up? Did you know that you were going to get into this kind of space at a certain age? And when did the whole vegan thing, um, you know, drop for you? Okay, so animal lover forever. Um, and I, I, I say this all the time, so it's like I feel like it's a weird thing to say, but I, I am, I'm the person that comes to somebody's house and I don't like meet the people first. I like go down and look at the cat because the cat's more interesting to me. Um, but so it's a, I, but I've been like that since I was a kid, and I think a lot of that stems from um, I, 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 they, I just always bonded with animals really, really quickly. So. Um, so yeah, so I walk into a room and I see the dog and I see the cat and I, and that's always been the way. Um, I grew up saying I was going to be a vet. Um, life went in five million directions when I became like a, a young adult. And I then had a lot of things just go in my life go pretty wrong. Um, and I started working with animals again and it changed my entire world. So I was kind of hitting like a rock bottom spot and then all of a sudden I started working with animals again and it was like I found like my peace mm -hmm. again. So I felt like I was home. Um, and so from that point on, there's not one thing I wouldn't do <laughs> to protect an animal. Um, yeah, so the veganism thing came during, during that time. I've been vegan for about 25 years. Um, yeah, and it all, it all started coming to be when I was like at my lowest point, actually being, in my opinion, rescued by beings that had such a much worse existence than I could ever imagine and then letting me come out of my own like kind of self-centered like misery <laughs> to be to become like you know to see them and and then they became the focus and and I never look back and it's been it's been fantastic so they're so great at what age you know at what age were you going through these hard times um, late 20s into 30 was like probably third I was 30 years old when I started here okay yeah and yeah having that knowledge of what the animals are going through yeah well and I didn't know and it's so funny because I think with social media now there was no social media mm. then so you didn't see that like you couldn't even get an advertisement that was like anti-milk or anti-meat or anti-anything like there were no like you watch tv if you watched anything and you know, there was no computer that had like all this like information coming in, like all these like animal rights groups coming in. So the people that I met, once I started working with the animals were the people that kind of like got me to see. And a lot of that was still photos and like videos that they had taken and just talking to people and hearing their stories and, uh, and, and realizing just how bad the animals had it. I went through the, I think the route that most people go through there where they're like, oh, this is terrible. I'm never going to eat meat again, knowing nothing about the dairy and egg industry at all. Um, and then when you learn about that, it's like, it's like a million times even worse than what, what the other thing, but it's so much harder. It, it's not so cut and dry. It's not like really black and white. Like when you kill an animal, clearly you're like, this is terrible. And you're thinking like, well, eggs are nothing and dairy yep. is nothing. And that's the thing that we see the most here is people mm. come in, they're kind of on that journey to try to figure out if they want to be even vegetarian. Yep. And then they meet like one of the giant steer and they're like, mm. whoa. And most of our, well, all of our giant Holstein steer are byproducts of the dairy industry. Mm. So to get to see like how gentle, they're gentle and they're kind and they're playful and funny. And, and so that connection then is made and that, that to me, and that's, this, that's how I made the connection too. Yep. I met those animals. Like, and once I made that connection, there was really no going back at all. 
No, I think it's a powerful, it's a powerful experience. It's something I haven't had personally. So I did it personally for health reasons. Yeah. And it's stuff that I felt I should have known. And when I found out, it was like, what the hell? Like, how, <laughs> how do I not know, I know. <laughs> about this? But now coming here, uh, consciously coming here, yeah. I was really keen to experience you know, meeting these animals, amazing. <laughs> knowing that I did have that cognitive dis- dissonance and not putting two and two together, you know, it's like nearly three years ago now, yeah. but yeah, not having that connection, but still being able to come here and say like, you know, like kind of like, I'm so sorry that, you know, I, I did that. Like it's, uh, well, we all did that. We all did that, yeah. but it's, it's, it's definitely something you feel. It's oh, like, you feel it. Yeah. yeah, you feel it. It's um, And once you meet them, the, the beauty of the sanctuary, and, and we see some really horrific things. Mm. Like we go to cruelty cases where there's dead animals all over the property. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you go in and you're just so sick. And when you're, you're taking out animals out of these situations, they're so frightened. And a lot of them are fighting to keep away from you because they don't know who you are. They, they don't know the difference between you. No. And anybody else, especially the adult animals, because they've gone through it for so long. And you get hurt sometimes. I've gotten knocked out by a sheep that like jumped over my head trying to get away from us. Mm-hmm. But those same animals then, I'm not kidding. Like most of them come around within like a few months. Some take years. Some take, some take 10 years. But to have an animal that like physically is shaking when they meet you because their life has been so incredibly hideous to them like fall asleep in your lap because they finally feel safe is one of the most incredible feelings on the planet. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing, like they, tr- they, they, they let go all the crap that we can't let go of. Like when you don't trust a person, it can take, it, sometimes you'll never trust a person again if you're yeah. human. Whereas with animals, they, they can forgive. Like they can like see past all of that and they come around every single, like I only have a few that don't completely come around but they're happy because they're with their own people. So, mm-hmm. so like sheep, like we have a sheep, we have like 110 sheep right now. We have a lot of sheep. And um, th- some of them will be with us for like six or seven years and you've never touched them. And then like you're sitting in the barn and one will come up and like they'll, they'll paw you and it's one you haven't touched ever. Mm. And it's because they finally are like, oh, you're not so bad. Like, you're, like I do trust you. And it takes them that long, but they come around and it's, it's incredible to see. If only everyone could work so closely with farm animals, right? Yeah. Like those stories are incredible. And I want to just take it back to what you were referring to before with people coming here yeah. and they're almost on a bit of a mission, right? They're yeah. like, okay, let's find out if, you know, I really want to do this. What about the people that come here maybe with their kids or... A lot of people come here thinking it's a petting zoo. Right. A so, lot of people. So they yeah. come here yeah, and they've probably got no idea what they're... Yeah. what they're in for. Um, you guys obviously have a really strong message, yeah. strong work ethic, and you know, you're striving towards yeah. a real mission of you know, educating people and caring for animals that have gone through a whole bunch of shit, yeah. really. What happens when those people come here? Have you seen any amazing kind of stories where... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of the most amazing ones... Are, are actually, and it's, and they're not even the, like the tours. So like we've taken in animals, we took in a cow named Cincy Freedom, 
who was just, she had gotten loose, she had jumped a wall in Ohio, an eight foot concrete wall at a slaughterhouse. She went up and over it because she was so frightened. And slaughter is frightening, like, because mm. they communicate constantly. They're very sensitive to smells and to feelings and to reactions of other animals and they're hearing like distress calls and, and so their adrenaline's really up. So she was a big Charlotte cow, she looked like a pit bull, she was all muscled. And um, they, it took 11 days to catch her. They'd use helicopters to run her out of the woods. Oops, should turn that off. Uh, helicopters to run out of the woods, run her out of the woods. And then they tranquilized her and they were gonna do a parade. And we talked them out of doing the parade with her in a cage. And they gave her the keys to the city. And then these farmers brought her here. And we put her in the barn and we let our cows come in to see her because she was so stressed. And the cow, our biggest cow, at the time was Larry. That's him in that picture. Mm -hmm. But um, he was at the shoulder, about six foot five. So not little. And they all came barreling into the barn and the farmer was just like, whoa, like these animals are dangerous. And it's like, you are so desensitized too. Like you see them every day, but they treat them because he had cattle prods in his truck. They had all these things that we would never use, mm. even on the craziest ones that come in because what we found is most of that anger is fear. It's nothing else. And so if you're adding to that fear by like shocking somebody or by screaming at them or by doing whatever it is that you do, that control and needing that control over the animals, they're desensitized as well. So some of the people that come on this farm that they're just they can't comprehend that that big giant animal then put like his, he always puts, he used to put his head on my shoulder all the time and just rest it and it's so heavy. And like you would, cause he wanted to be scratched. Like they were just in awe of them and they'd never seen them get that big because they kill them before they get that big. They grow for four years. They don't stop growing. And how old are they meant to get? They're Those steer the, never get over like a year and a half. Nobody gets over that age. Okay. So they're not even close to being full grown. So And how old are they? Their when, natural life. Their natural life are the giants because they're not they're not bred for longevity. Mm -hmm. Live eighteen to nineteen years though, yeah. And so at like I have a nineteen or an eighteen year old here. My very first calf when I came here and rescued is here still, and he's a giant. He's now in our retirement herd. Um, he's much slower now, but he's about six foot three probably. Yeah, he's he's a beauty. But yeah, those people come. Um, people come. And for the first time, especially again, those those cows make a big difference because they haven't given up dairy. They're all like cheese, 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 cheese. Like everybody likes cheese and I just can't give up cheese and it's the one place I can't go. And then one of these giants just like lets them scratch them or they see like how incredibly huge they are and how gentle they are. And they, I've had people just weep like when they're here, when they see these animals and birds too. A mm. lot of people are terrified of birds and, mm -hmm. and they don't get them. And then when they're like, they, they have this connection with the bird, some of the turkeys will let you just pet them and they fall asleep and it's incredible. And so all of a sudden they'll make this connection and you can't get them to want to leave that area because they want to stay with this animal that they just met for the first time. Because yeah, chickens, turkeys, pigs, cows, like the abuse and the things that the byproducts even that come out of these animals, not just the, 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 basic meat, like any of the other things that come from these animals, people don't really know enough about. No. And they're learning when they come here. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty cool to, to witness people oh, <laughs> having those, um, yeah, those experiences. I mean, I've definitely, yeah, I've read, I think I read one story where, the, where a man went with his kids to, yeah. I'm not sure if it was here, but a sanctuary right. and turkeys. So used to, and we're coming up to Thanksgiving now. Yes, we are. Um, 
so like, I don't know. Everyone's just so used to. I don't know if people even know what a turkey looks like. Like they. A lot of people don't. No, they cook them on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And they know that they're meant to be doing that, so they go and pick it up. Yeah. And they cook it, and and that's it. Yeah. But I, I heard some crazy stat. You might be able to go into like. Yeah. The, I know some stats on turkeys. The yeah. plight of turkeys yeah. around this time of year. So if yeah. you want to go into that, that would be really good to to learn about yeah well we i i, I change because I'm, I'm speaking over the weekend on turkeys and that's all i talk about is like mm-hmm. everything about their history and everything else but um right now in the u.s um we're doing about 241 million 241 million turkeys a year is basically what we're at now for slaughter um sold at thanksgiving is about 46 million so only 46 million are going for thanksgiving dinner the rest are used for like lunch meat and and people like turkey and everything, like turkey dogs and all these things that yeah, they think yeah. are actually healthier. <clears throat> There's like um, a whole like you know movement towards they have the smallest footprint. They do all these things, you know, they have the smallest footprint not compared to plants. They have mm-hmm. a smaller footprint compared to other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, with like what happens to the the environment. Uh, but yeah, with turkeys, you're also talking about an animal that they've bred to be just so incredibly large. So. You, we had turkeys in the 20s that weighed 13 pounds at slaughter. Now they weigh 30. Mm. So you went from a 13-pound animal to a 30-pound animal from since 1920. So we have genetically changed them to the point where they can't naturally reproduce. The males, the males especially, they, if the males are left to eat whatever they want, they can get up to 80 pounds. In the wild, a male turkey weighs 25. So you, and that's a high male turkey. They usually weigh under that. Mm. And the females are usually between 8 and 10 pounds we have to put our birds on a restricted diet to keep them under 30. So remember now that 30, they're 30 pounds between three and six months when they go to slaughter, the females. Yeah. Yeah, so that's insane. No, so yeah. we've, we've genetically changed them. Um, and then we do things like de-beaking and de-toeing so they don't fight because we warehouse raise them. And, and the beak on a bird is how they feel the entire world. It has nerve endings. It's like everything, they don't have hands. Everything they pick up, everything they touch is with their beak. They're not like hitting you with their wing when they want your attention. Yeah. They're touching you with their beak. They actually groom. They like to groom you. Like if, if I have something like I have something written on my hand right now, they will obsess over that because they can see it. And so they'll be like, why does she have that on her hand now? So they're like, they're not trying to hurt me. They're trying to get it off because mm. they're groomy. Like they like to groom you. So they're really amazing birds. And they pick out their own friends. So like they know who everybody like if you walk in and they're all white you're just like okay like until you get to know them all they're all very different different personalities but they have friends and they have when they're we get them when they're tiny little babies like little um somebody drops them off here we we call the person the turkey fairy because we'll come in and there'll be a box of turkeys and it's like yay and they're usually little tiny babies that have just been de-beaked and they're really really sick and then all of a sudden they're they're healthy and they play like they do all these, they're playful, they, but they're just like other babies. And then besides that, they have a sound that they make that only they make when they only make it when they're little. It's a whistle. And they're looking for one specific turkey in the group. And that other turkey always whistles back and then they find each other. So when we were doing placement and we had, oh my God, it was terrible. We thought we had some girls and some boys because they were two breeds of turkeys that the turkey fairy had had brought us but no one pointed that out so we thought some of the bigger ones were boys so we were trying to separate them and we separated two turkeys and they were went nuts they were pacing back and forth and whistling back and forth to each other so we realized what it was what was happening so we we put them back together and we were like we can't place 
who we thought was a him who turned out, thank God, thank God to be a girl because mm. they can't live together, the males and females, because the size of the males is so great that they actually hurt the females when they try to mount them. Um, so, and again, they don't naturally reproduce because of that as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's all artificial insemination. But anyway, they make fantastic friends with each other and don't like to be separated from those friends. Just like how we know that dogs love each other and cats love each other, these animals are flock and herd animals, so their bonds are even tighter. Yep. Like, it's it's crazy how tight they get with each other. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'd not really thought of that myself. Like, they're, yeah, they're all together, so. Yeah, and they can't form a pecking order when there's 20,000. Yep. They cannot. Like, there is a pecking order in every barn. There's, like, a head turkey. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, and the underlings. Like, there's all these different, like, like they hierarchical. Societies. They have a yeah. society, yeah. yeah. And, it, and they follow it. Very, very yeah. clearly follow it. We just brought the the California turkeys here. Yeah. And, and they took over the barn because hmm. a lot of ours are, like, um, it's a breed that's, like, a cross. Um, they're called midget whites, I think. We don't know because we don't know where they come from. But they're much smaller breed. Um, really tiny feet. Like, they're not, but they're all white still. Hmm we brought these giant broad-breasted whites from California and they just were like, they own that barn now. Like they control everything. Alpha turkeys. It's the alpha turkey. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the alpha turkey's name is Perdita. Okay. Very awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. It is. Cool to learn all about. Like, <laughs> it's know. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's so, it's so easy. They, they tell you absolutely everything that they need to. Mm. Like, again, like the, like I need my friend back was this pacing and whistling. And, and we, we barely pay attention to each other and our dogs and stuff. So you really have to just kind of like, and everybody here does it, you kind of get in tune with them because we're with them all the time. So you know when something's wrong, like you know when something's bothering them. And sometimes it's as simple as, oh, they can't find like another sheep in the flock or their friend is sick or something's going mm-hmm. on. So they're, they're, there's always something that they're trying to let you know. And right. you just have to pay attention. So true. I mean, yeah. we were we were just staying with friends um, before we left. Uh, we were just in um, at their house in Lincoln, Massachusetts, and they've got a couple of cats. And one of their cats, you know, they've had it for a long time, yeah. And it never like vocalizes like it was when we were there. Um, and we're like, what's the what's what's yeah. up? Like yeah. it, it's two in the morning, and yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we can just hear this meowing. Uh, and we now think it's because there were like rodents in the roof. Oh, and yeah. you could tell like she was sticking to the walls. Oh yeah, because she can hear them. Yeah. yeah, and you know they're always trying to tell us something. They are. She's like, though, open the wall. Yeah, exactly. Open the wall. <laughs> Let me work. Yeah, exactly. Let me get to work. <laughs> I have a job here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they do. The little yeah. rat terrier is obsessed because we have mice up here now yeah. and somebody opened a drawer and clearly the mouse right. jumped down in the cabinet and he spent like three hours just like nose to the cabinet scratching at the thing trying to get in it's, yeah. it's who it's they, they are do. Yeah, yeah it's what they do and 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 you and you just if you just pay attention and i think i think there's like you're talking about worldwide right now just farm animals not counting horses or anything else just like the ones that live on this farm like mm-hmm. the basic animals that we think of for food production Worldwide, there's 74 billion killed every single solitary year. It's not mm. counting fish, which puts it in the trillions. Yep. And there's only like 7 billion people. So it is the craziest number of beings on this planet. There's more farm animals than there are wild animals. That's insane. Mm. I don't think we can compute it. You can't. And I the... think that's why the sanctuaries work. Mm. Because 
most people, when you inundate them with numbers, are just like shut down. Like yeah. their brains shut down, their emotions shut down. It's too much to comprehend. But if you meet one then you, and you love that animal, you want to protect them all. Like mm -hmm. your brain doesn't need to know the numbers anymore. You just know that killing that one being would be horrible. And the only reason that the ones that are here are here is they're lucky. And then that is it. Like there is no difference. If I walked right now into a factory farm and yanked out 10 turkeys, they will become just like these turkeys with different personalities and they'll learn to love it here and they'll dust bathe and do everything that these turkeys do. But the only difference is we can't get to them. And they're a tiny, 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 yeah. minuscule percentage of, of what's going on. We They're, can't even, yeah. this, if we rescued 10,000 turkeys a year, we wouldn't even touch a millionth of a percent. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. No. So sanctuaries are a place that, yes, we, we take in victims of this movement. You, I mean, of this industry, you cannot rescue them all. You would be, you, it, would, it would just become another factory farm. <laughs> so, yeah. So how do you personally yeah. deal with that? That. kind of oh, balancing act because like, it's like Sophie's like, choice mentally yeah. <laughs> mentally you yeah. know exactly what's going on mm -hmm. well, and we were, we were okay so we were driving down yeah. and we were like it is crazy that there's this beautiful sanctuary yeah. here but then down the road there could be oh there are yeah horrible farms and there could be hunting and there could be there is hunting yeah, right now yeah all sorts of stuff going on mm -hmm. but there's just this there's this place right here that's, you know, those animals are, are safe. Family, yeah, yeah they're family. It, so how do you balance that that knowledge? Well, you can't. I mean, like, and and this happens all the time. I like, well, people will ask us to like take in animals, and we don't have room, and they're like, well, then we're just going to have to slaughter them, and it's like, but. I'm not making that choice. Like I can't, I'm not telling you to slaughter the animal. I'm telling you to either find a home. Like if right now somebody said, it's not legal for you to have your dogs and your cats, I would move. I wouldn't be like, okay, take them. <laughs> like it would just be so horrendous to me. So I, these animals are still just seen as products and property, mm -hmm. except when they're here. So you, A, you can't save them all. And the only way that this is going to stop is if people just stop eating them. Like that is it. Like you can't rescue them all. What rescue does is it brings awareness. Um, and what rescue does is it also lets you see like the stories, like you're, you're telling like a victim story. Like these animals are victims of an industry. So you can't, you can't tell a full story just by showing like, like that's horrible and most people shut down too there are groups of people that love undercover videos and i can't watch them but there are mm. also people that are just like i don't want to know i don't want to see this is a softer approach to say well this is this animal and you're telling them the story or you can show some of it but we're not we're not just trying to beat them over the head and say like you're a horrible person for doing this we're trying to say like look at how awesome these animals are. Yeah. Like there is no difference between your dog and your cat and that pig who's actually smarter than your dog and cat, which they are. It's been proven a million times. So get to know this animal and understand them. And by doing that and giving that story, you know, they are a victim of the industry who has come out above it. People love that. Like they want that story. They want an individual that they can talk about or they want an individual they can meet. And then that spreads out by them no longer eating that animal. And we have a million approaches right now in animal rights. There's For like, sure. Yeah, we've got the people that are doing like the cube of truth and we have people that are, you know, doing open rescues and we have people that are doing legislation and we have people that are doing like everything. And it, it, it's it, we're at such a great point that we just all need to do what we do yep. 
and and love what everybody else is doing or ignore it if you don't like it <laughs> and then yep. and and really plug in because i think there is an awareness now we're, we're at a tipping point with food too oh my god you can like get anything you want to eat and it's really good i brought vegan cheese from Can i went to canada to speak and i brought back all this vegan cheese for my staff and that's what i'm having for lunch because canadian it's so vegan it's, it's canadian yeah. vegan cheese made out of nuts it's awesome <laughs> and and but like most of my staff that works like the farm staff like mario mario wasn't vegan or vegetarian when he came here yep. he is now um, and they all are and nobody here judges anybody like that is the key in mm. my opinion don't don't judge people just meet people where they're at and really like love who they are and and i have had people in this office say like i can make more money working somewhere else and they've just gone vegan because they you know they love the animals here and they'll just weep and say like, I've never felt like I was loved in a job because that's part of, this is a sanctuary for people too. Mm. Like people, people like I needed it. Everyone needs something. But if we met people with just this like anger, because we, I'm angry, I'm always angry about yeah. like what happens to these animals. But if that's the approach I take, I end up losing the majority of people I'm trying to reach. I, I like to take the approach that like, I, I like the fact that these are, or were victims of an industry that now are having a, an amazing life because I think people relate to victims. Like they relate to the fact that they're victims in some way mm -hmm. and that their life can then become this. And we have to recognize them just like with any social justice movement as, as being victims. And let's stop doing that. Let's stop creating victims. Let's start having a, a world where everybody lives in peace, which would mean they wouldn't be bred. And I know that a lot of people don't like that either, but mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't be bred anymore. No, um, there would the be no reason. reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I do hope to God that they're allowed to be around as just, because they're amazing, by the way, just like dogs and cats, but we forget they get killed every year too. Millions of dogs and cats die every single year. It's really, yeah, yeah you're, I mean, you're spot on. It's, it's tough. Um, it's, a, it's such a conundrum because I can't imagine my life without cows and turkeys and chickens no, It and goes pigs. back to what you said before. Yeah. You, you can't rescue them all. No. And... The animal rights circle now mm -hmm. is being a, it's being tackled from so many different angles, which is fantastic. So exactly yeah. what you said: let the people who are working in their field, yeah, do what they do. It. do. Dive in. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to understand it. Nope. You don't even need to like it. Respect yeah. it. Let them go and just do it their way. Right. Because if one approach worked, we'd already be done. Yeah, exactly. One no, approach but we're going to take it. Take it with every approach. Yeah. My father, um, who I think now, my, when my mom was around, because I lost my mom this year, and she was the one I never would have ever gotten anywhere with, but um, he he knocked out his meat consumption like dramatically, not because I walked in and pounded them with stories of the animals or walked in and were like, you're cruel. Like I didn't do anything hmm. that worked for years and years and years and years. And then I gave him the China study. And he's a professor and he teaches Asian history, East Asian history. So he read the China study and it was over. And it was just like, oh, that makes sense. It's a health thing. So you, who cares why people get to the place that they get? They don't all have to have this like, you know, savior. Like I only do this because of the, there's a lot of reasons to get to this. This is killing the environment. It's killing our health. And it is horrific for the beings that are in this this industry. There is nothing about it that's good. They're horrible to the workers. Nobody in this industry is doing good. It is nothing but destruction. So why, why not hit it from all sides? Because if you just try to get people, you, you can't get, we can't even get people to be nice to people. 
Like, I, I mean, come we're on. In a, we're in a rough spot, aren't we? We are. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, I feel sick. That makes me sick every day. So yeah. when you're seeing all the things that are going on, like how like certain parts of our own, of our society are just so mistreated. And then we're trying to get people to be nice to a pig. Mm. Like that they, they only see as food. We're, we're not going to do it with just one method. So we have to allow everybody to do their thing and be happy that they're all doing their thing. And Love we it. reach yep. people the way we reach people. And, and we all will reach different people. No, I really like that. Uh, something also that you you spoke about is the, you know, the people doing open rescue and the people that are really kind of like on the front lines. Yeah. Their job is very mentally taxing, no doubt. Do you see animal sanctuaries as a place where they can come to kind of unwind and we see, say that all yeah. the time yeah um I, I, we teach a course every year um and uh we have it's how to start a sanctuary basically but it's also we've had people that do um undercover not not open rescue but the undercover rescue guys mm -hmm. and um i i remember one of them came and it was years and years ago was when mercy for animals was really really small and they had just started doing a lot of those, the undercover rescues. And one of the guys from there, one of the rescuers was here, but I knew who he was, but I didn't know exactly what he had done. Um, and so we were going through and we go through all the different animals and we're showing them how to handle them. And we had calves. And so we had the calf, right when people would come in the barn, we had, I think we had like eight calves at the time, like Holstein calves that we had just taken out of a bad dairy situation. And they were mooing at the top of their lungs. And because they wanted milk, <laughs> not because they were distressed. Um, and he, he was all like, he looked like he was having an allergic reaction. So I was like, are you, are you allergic to anything? He was crying because he had just done an undercover thing at a dairy farm and how horrifically the dairy calves were treated. And I actually saw the footage of that then later. And I, I don't even know how he did it. Um, so my, I, I watched him just fall apart because, and then they started sucking on his hand and he was just weeping and weeping and weeping because they're happy here. So I think this is the place where people should come. This is like, we, we've been talking, Gene and I talk about this stuff all the time. It needs to be a place, like we just bought the neighboring property where we can, maybe we can build a retreat center and people that do this work can have a retreat here where they can spend days and days and days just like hanging out with animals who are happy, who came out of this system because Again, we're only able to rescue so many. If undercover videos help people go vegan, they are rescuing animals, whether they're yanking them out of those situations or not. I'm sorry. We're all rescuing animals by doing this work. We're physically rescuing animals, but unless everybody becomes vegan, it's, it's like it's a drop in the bucket. So. Yep. Yeah, I would love it if people did that. And people do come. We get a lot of people. Um, I had another person, again, from Mercy for Animals that just came here like a few months ago and was like, one of the pigs like laid down with him. Like he like laid down and put her whole body in his stomach while he was hugging her and just like wanted to fall asleep on him. And he was just so touched by it too. Because again, when you're constant, you can't constantly berate, like make yourself see all that bad. I, I worry about the people that are like doing like the, the slaughter trucks now where they're the save yep. movement. Um, that to me, if you're only getting sad all the time, you're going to approach this issue with sadness or be paralyzed by it or approach it with anger. You have to have both. You have to balance your life because if you don't, 
we're not going to get anywhere and we can't lose good people. You need those people. Yeah. To be strong. Doing their work. Be strong. And if you're, if you're getting run down by your work and there's no way to come back out of it. And some people are gone. Oh, we're losing people. We lose people all the time. And and we lose people here where we really try to work on the burnout issues here um, because these animals come in in horrific shape. So you're constantly trying to save them. You're trying to keep them from dying when they come here. Yep. Like when those lambs came, I we I came here in the middle of the night because they showed up at night. Um, one of them was unable to suckle and was being tube fed. They didn't get enough colostrum. They all had pneumonia. So they come in. And so we, you spend hours trying to get them to suckle because tube feeding is not good for them at all. Uh, and so we finally got the one to suckle and they're fine now. Mm. But it's like you have to put all this stuff in. And if you don't do everything right, they die. And a lot of sanctuaries that start don't have that care experience. So they're losing animals too. And there's guilt with that. Whether you want to think there is or not, there is some serious guilt. And so that's why we teach the course. We're saying like, don't take in a bunch of animals until you understand how to take care of them. Cause you're not going to be able to live with that guilt. Mm. And that's what most people do because they want to do it so badly. And that most vets don't want, care about newborn calves. They're not trying to save them. Like they're like, put them down. And so there aren't resources. I want to stop you right there. Okay. Really interesting point. I didn't know if I was going to ask it, mm-hmm. but vets, mm-hmm. people who work closely with animals on a day-to-day basis, and it came to me last night, and I thought, yeah. isn't it interesting that even the people that do work with animals yes. on a day-to-day basis are happy to go home and you know Eat cook a chicken or yeah. whatever it might be. I don't know really what I want to ask here, but... I can answer and I already know what yeah. you want. Um, this is the thing that we've learned. So if we take, like we have cats here. So we, ta- we just took a cat in to Cornell and we took her in. She's dying because she's older. She's got a, she had a mycoplasma actually and she was anemic and she was dying. And, and when they talk to you on the phone, they're like, she's really sick. We love her so much. She's such a beautiful cat. If I took a cow in to a vet that I hadn't met because they now know not to do this, mm. they would be like, it's sick. It needs this. Like there's such a disconnect between who they are. They know they don't call them by name. They call them it. They don't call them by a pronoun. They always say it with farm animals and he and she with dogs and cats because they know that the dogs and cats are your family. Farm animals are farm animals. Like they don't have that connection. So we are constantly, I always do it. It's it's kind of mean, but it's not mean really. They'll be like, it needs this. And I'm like, well, she was great when she was here. Um, or then I'll call them by their name. I'll be like, you know, Nancy is, has not been well, but this is what Nancy's been doing. So you're trying to get them. It's it's almost like in a hostage situation where you're trying to get the person to recognize you as a human. We're trying to get them to recognize them as a being. Mm. Like this being means so much to us. And every time I call about an animal that's really, really sick, I'm like, you don't get how much we love him. Like you have to do this. Like we'll do anything. Just please fix him. And they'll be like, that it changes everything. It changes everything by how you approach it too. So that's the other thing we train people with is don't attack your vets. Like we, I, I've had vets eating hamburgers like because they're on lunch talking to me about a cow. And I, I in, instead of me being like, you disconnected freak. Like I would never do that. And people do. And you've just lost them. You've lost 100% them. 100% shut yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, they don't care anymore. You just put them on the defensive. So instead, just ignore what they're eating. Just ignore what they're eating and get them to see that animal because that's your job. Right then at that moment, your job is not to create a vegan. Your job is to save the animal that you have. And so that comes with respect and time 
and working with somebody. I've had, we've had the same large animal vets coming here since I've been here, the same group. Um, they're all women. They know exactly what we feel about our animals. Cornell does too. And you take their expertise and then everything that you've learned and then you combine that and it's unstoppable. Cornell does things to farm animals now that they've never, like we, we treat cancer, we fix broken legs on cows, we, we save babies that we pull out of stockyards, like off mm. dead piles. Like they can do everything. They're not, they never get a chance to. So they actually wanna learn and they wanna learn on animals that aren't gonna just die. It's amazing and they even say it to us. They're like, you know why we like your animals? Because we know they're gonna be okay. Like, why would you get attached to an animal that they're going to put right back into an industry? Like, what would be the point? What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. So they like it. So you can you can reach that, but you need their expertise, too. So you can't be the vegan that's like, well, they're not vegan or they, they're, you know, cruel farm. But learn, you can get respect and with anyone. You really can. It's funny. I've, it's like a, it's a topic that kind of comes up i feel like almost on every podcast mm -hmm. regardless of the background of the person i'm speaking with yeah is this need just for understanding just empathize with the person understand where they're coming from yeah and don't you know berate them basically it, it can be hard because we're i think we've all been there where like this new knowledge comes to you right. and that's like i just want to give you everything i just learned yeah but you need to take a step back and understand where you came from. I've had, you know, I've told it in my intro episode where I used to work in the meat case at a deli. Yeah. And the vegetarian dude that I used to debate with worked yeah. in the produce section. Right. And we're, <laughs> we're He's throwing lettuce heads at you. Literally, <laughs> literally having debates. And I see, awesome. it, I see it now so differently. Yeah. And I laugh at myself because it's like, it couldn't be more black and white. Like, yeah. it's just hilarious yeah. now. Um, so yeah, people, but people will get, you're planting seeds all the time. Like, the and time. if you're planting seeds nicely, people are more, the reason that the, people you don't need that, to be the reason. No, you don't have to be the no. end. And that's the thing. I think everybody wants to be the hero and be like, mm. I turned that person vegan. And it's like, I don't care if it took 18 people to turn that person vegan. They're vegan. Who cares? Mm -hmm. the, we're all, again, we all have the same goal. The end goal is to stop this industry. That's it. To stop them from treating these animals like they treat them and using them for food. And it's not that hard to get to. But we, yeah, we have to be careful in how we approach people. Mm. Because people have their own set of stuff when they walk into a room. And if you just attack them with your set of stuff, it, it's not, <laughs> you're not even, you're not going to make a dent. And they're not yeah. a permanent one. No, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about vets. I think it's... I love our vets. Yeah. We, couldn't, we couldn't survive without our vets. And Cornell's just around the corner. 45 so, minutes yeah. away. And I, I, have, I have just... We just did a surgery and it's so great. And we'll have the, the story out. But we have... Um, we took in a cow who's been at a dairy who's never walked on her front leg. She's walked on her knees and she's huge. Um, and they didn't... Because of her condition, they empathized with her and didn't have the heart to send her to slaughter. They did not, they, they'll slaughter mm. any other cow, but not her. And so they wanted us to take her. And, and I said, like, there's a really good chance we're going to have to put her down because if her legs aren't fixable, this is not a small animal. So she had her surgery yesterday for her legs. Um, and they have this, it, it's just like an ER for people. They have this giant, like, you know, gurney that pulled her out out of surgery. And like our guy, our guy Luke that does our filming used to be a caregiver with me and he does our photo video and he was there videoing her coming out of like surgery. Like it's incredible. And when we take a calf off a dead pile, 
when we get there, we're, I'm always calling on the way from the auction. And I'm like, he's hardly breathing. Like his, you know, respiration rate is this. And like, I'm giving them all these vitals on this animal. When we get there, there's a triage cart. There's like eight doctors. Everybody's got fluids and blood and everything. And, and it's no different than an ER for a human. It is insane. If we didn't have them, they would be dead. So yeah, they eat meat. Like, <laughs> and your doctor that probably saved you in a hospital probably eats meat. Don't hate people. Just educate yep. every every step of the way. Educate and let them get attached to that calf that they just saved. Because you know what? They can now come to the, they come here now. They didn't used to come here because the woman that used to be in my position called them sociopaths mm. because they ate meat and treated animals. Mm. And guess what? That didn't work. Oh, it's never no. It's not gonna, attacking someone's not going to work. It's like I just had this flash of like some kind of reality TV show of like an animal emergency room, like mm-hmm. like a like a dramatized version. Cornell actually did <laughs> like that. A, they did it. They yeah. had a reality show and some of our animals are on it. Yeah. Our turkey. Yeah. One of our turkeys that had surgeries on it. One of our donkeys that has Cushing's is on it. So like they had, and we had to sign waivers for them to be on them. <laughs> so it's like, yes, Hank can be used in this documentary. Yeah. So it's, it was like a, like a reality TV yeah. show for Cornell vet students. Yeah. And, and their reality is different than our reality. A lot of those guys, they grew up like being 4-H kids or future farm, animals of america kids their life is very different like their their reality is very different than Mm -hmm. ours but it doesn't mean that it can't change and it doesn't mean we can't meet somewhere in the middle and we have one common goal and that is to save the individuals because again we can't save the world with these guys we we want these animals to have the perfect life so we can show what it's like for them to have a perfect life which includes not letting them die when they get sick which then involves obviously lots of large animal vets Really yeah. cool. Really cool. Um, you were talking about photo and video guy. Yeah. I do know, I, I just saw Joanne McCarthy. She's speak. coming today. Really? Da, da, da. Yeah, she'll be here. She's yeah. here for our turkey event. She comes. So I just yeah. saw her speak at Harvard. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, and we, we watched The Ghost in Our Machine, which I... I'm in that you're one. You're in yeah. that. And our pigs are in that, that you'll see. They're yeah. here. They're huge. Yeah. yeah, so I'm a photographer myself. Okay, and it good. was really cool to see her do her work mm-hmm. made me think because i don't take photos of animals so to speak you know I'd... she started out here as an intern okay gotta take credit no yeah, yeah. she's amazing <laughs> no she's amazing she's one of my closest friends so yeah. i'm i'm talking to her all the time no yeah. very cool to see her yeah. speak and it gave me a new perspective on um on photography yeah. and what photography can do for the movement um which was really cool and i in, in the movie she's here and Right. Um, they do some scenes here with her. So mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I like that. It was, it was a really nice movie, different approach. Yeah. Um, really cool. So I think we're, we've got about eight minutes left before okay. we have to move some cows. Yeah. Um, eight minutes till cow. <laughs> so cow moving. <laughs> I, um, so you've been here for a long time. Yes. 18 years, I think. Mm-hmm. And how has Farm Sanctuary grown in the time oh, wow. that oh. you've, you've been here well you have to remember this is the first so there wasn't an understanding it was also very um it was very different because it was very much more abolitionist and i'm not against i'm an abolitionist i am my heart is always going to be abolitionist but again it was so much so that it was hard to work with vets it was hard to do the things that now we've accomplished and by doing that it's opened up the door for a lot of other things so like 
large animal medicine has changed because of this place, which I think is insane. Like the procedures that are done have changed because they're allowed to actually learn by helping our animals. And that isn't a situation, like no, no farmer that is going to make a profit is going to take a cow in and spend $10,000. They're not. And that's how much sometimes it costs to save a calf. So they have learned and been able to do real medicine on animals for the first time and animals that then they see all the way up until they're elderly. Like geriatric care was not a farm animal thing. It is now. Like the, the, one of the funniest stories is we had a, we had a, one of the most beautiful cows. She was like 20, 22 years old. She was losing like insane amounts of weight and no one could figure it out. Like she had diarrhea and she was always sick and, and she was dying. And so we took her in and their automatic starting point is to do a rectal exam, which is how they can feel all the organs in the cow without, because they're not easy. I, I think people, that's the other thing with animal rights people, when they see some of the things that have to happen in animal medicine with these animals, it's hard to understand mm -hmm. that you can't just lay them down because they're a ruminant and that will kill them. So a lot of the things are done standing and I think that freaks people out. But in all reality, the things that they're doing are not hurting them in these cases. So mm -hmm. she's they're doing a rectal, they can't figure it out, they can't figure anything out. They do allergy testing and spinal taps and everything else. It was her teeth because they hadn't done a dental on a cow because cow teeth don't get old because cows don't get old. So all of a sudden it's like, this is something new that now we all know. Watch how they eat. If they're dropping their food, it's most likely their teeth. So we do dentals on pigs and dentals on cows and dentals on animals that just 10 years ago, nobody did. But why would they? Why would you do a dental on a cow? They don't live long. <laughs> they don't need a dental. Ours do. And so all of these things changed because we see these animals as members of our family who we want to live just as long because they do all that stuff on small animals yep. and a lot of small animal vets now work with large animal vets for like torn cruciate ligaments that's common in a dog that is also very common in a goat and a sheep so they work together with different parts of the veterinary school to come up with solutions for animals that they never would have to do that for so it's it's really outstanding so yeah. you've move the the medicine farm sanctuary has yeah yeah that's because, amazing but that's what's so it's so i would I, like i wish you were staying here all day because like there there are caregivers we're there are 120 animals on this farm right now that are on twice a day medications and some of its pain management and some of its wound management and some there's some of it's for new animals that are coming in and it's like this full-time clinic for animals that you know and most of these are our residents and some of them will leave like some of them have homes lined up already but yeah mm. it's a it's a really cool place so thousands of animals come in thousands of animals go to homes and then residents are ones that we know that we're in a place that we're going to be able to take care of them for their lifetime because they are going to have health issues and we're really close to cornell yeah i yeah. like that and how many um how many locations do you have now this was the first one here yeah we had we just closed the one in um northern california and the reason we did was because we were running out of water and clearly the fires um so chico and paradise where the fires are so bad right now are only a 30 minute drive from us so it's devastating and and it's a constant fear um it's it's just so dry like you can't mow like the fields or anything after like 10 a.m. because if one spark goes, everything goes up. If there was a fire on that three acre, pro the 300 acre property, we never would have gotten the animals off. No. Yes, yeah, it so happened really quickly. Oh, it goes yeah, so fast. Was... I mean, like we're we're talking. They they the way they said it was like 80 football fields an hour are burning. If that was near our farm, they, we couldn't get them off no. if we wanted to. And is that what we want? It's also really isolated, so we weren't getting a big visitor volume. So again. 
you can't make a dent like just rescuing like because there were like 300 animals living there on 300 acres that's not making a dent in the system and and we have no bandwidth out there so we couldn't even do filming or anything out there because it was so remote it takes two and a half hours from any airport to get there so what were we actually doing out there besides being scared that everything's going to catch on fire so we made a strategic decision as an organization that yes we we want a presence in California, which we have. We have a smaller sanctuary right outside of Los Angeles mm. in Acton, California. So uh, that one gets thousands and thousands of visitors and celebrities and all these people that are like influencers that then put that out even further. Mm. And that's what we needed out there. So we have this one and then we, um, we're going to stop right now because we also have a big education program. We have a big humane education program that's taking off now that's going into high schools and junior highs in Philadelphia and Brooklyn and Los Angeles and San Diego. And so we're doing that. And then we have advocacy programs as well. Like we're working on initiatives, but we're also doing like other advocacy work. We did a, we just did a documentary about North Carolina and the, and the situation down there with pollution. So we're trying to do all these other things as well. And we moved the animals here and expanded here. Uh, and this place is more of a destination. So people come, you saw there's like tiny houses and cabins. People come and stay here for like weeks at a time. It's so a very cool. different experience, yeah. So we're, we're, we're strategically like really thinking like, we want to move the needle. Like that's the goal. The goal isn't like, let's rescue 20 more, 20,000 more animals. I want to, we, well, of course we want to. But the goal is to get people to stop eating them. So we, we want to show people what they're like when they feel safe, when they're healthy, when they have real flocks, when they have real herds, when they have a life. And that is best done right here. So that's why we made the decision. So two, two sanctuaries right now with a whole lot of people working there. Um, and an the, extremely well-rounded program. Very well-rounded program. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's not just about rescue. I wish it no. was. I mean, if it was that easy, if we could just rescue them all, that'd be great. It's education is massive on-site education and taking education outside mm. of here i like the fact yeah. that you're getting into schools schools oh, i think that's a, massive they use um the virtual reality and it's a tour of here so the kids sit in the chairs and you can see them like trying to feel the animals because we I, I we did it and they run up like the goats are running all around they had a camera set up so the giant steer are like walking up to the camera so it feels like you can just reach out and grab them and these are kids that never see these animals so yeah, it's it's really intense, um, and the program is just really successful. So, so much going on all the time, and this is one aspect of it. But this is the aspect, obviously, I'm the most passionate about. I I just can't even imagine a world where we don't see these animals like this, like for who they actually are. Yeah, no, it's yeah. The work you guys are doing is absolutely incredible. Just talking to the people here, you can see <laughs> how good. round the clock, hardworking you guys really are. Have we got time for one more question? Mm -hmm. It's hit 11.30. I was... for me. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely want to end on a, um, you know, a happy, Good. happier yeah, note. Me too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the natural disasters and yeah. stuff, that would have been something, you know, that's that's an interesting topic. But I, I want to ask you, like, if there's an animal or a, a couple of animals that have really stood out to you in your time here and the story behind them and and your um your experience with them yeah just to show you know how individual these guys are um you know if if you can you've probably got hundreds but if there's one 
Yeah, there's one. There's 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 a few. Um, we're we're putting out a story on Julia soon, so I'll I'll talk about Nikki instead. And it's weird because um, I think we all have our own backgrounds and things that make certain animals and their stories kind of touch you more. Um, but I went down. We went down to Iowa, and it's it does connect to natural disasters during the floods in Iowa in 2008, and we we took out every living pig. So we took out 65 pigs. Over 20,000 pigs died in that flood. So it was horrific. And, um, and I, met, I met so many pigs there with so many personalities. But the one, the one that I bonded with the most and the one that I will never, ever, like I, I picture her every, well, her kids are here too. So I picture her like every second. I feel like every day, I feel like I see her every day here still because she, we found her with her piglets. So she was a gestation sow that escaped a factory farm, made a nest in the levee to give birth to babies. And she was starving to death, and they're always like, they'll eat their babies. And it's like, clearly she didn't eat her babies. It's like, she was trying to protect her babies when we got there. We loaded them up. I was with her in a stockyard, because we rented a stockyard to take care of them so they were healthy enough to travel. I had a pig that had lost all her babies um, that we found that would laid in front of that pen with her so she could see those babies all day long. So we brought her here. <laughs> She's amazing. Mm. I, she never did a thing to me but loved me. Like I, cause I, we were together from day one. But like when the guys would try to kick her out to clean the barn, she'd attack them because she had babies. Oh, it was scary. They had to go in with these big panels so they, they could protect themselves from her. She would lunge at them because all she wanted to do for the first time she had babies and she wasn't letting anybody touch them. And it so was she did awesome. get to have babies? Uh, no, yeah. she had her babies on the levee and we brought them here. Ah, were they alive? Yeah. Yeah? yeah oh, yeah. She oh, didn't. wow. So yeah. she protected she them? She protected them. When we first came up, like our rescuers came up, she made that hoof noise, which is a warning noise, and they saw all the piglets run into a thorn area so they couldn't get to them they couldn't reach in and get them mm. she had it all set up that no one could touch those babies she was the most amazing mother and that's the thing that industry didn't take that away they didn't take away her instinct to be a really good mother and everybody says like they're horrible and they'll kill their babies and blah 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 blah, blah. oh my god they're good mothers like and so the she we let her live with the rest of the gestation sounds that we rescued and they and she whooped their asses which was hysterical like she walked in smaller than most of them powerhouse because she was like no one's touching these babies so she beat up all the other females very quickly like put them in their place nobody got really hurt but she was like the queen and but she let the one pig that had what would look like ptsd the one we found with the dead babies rose mm. she let her co-raise her babies and it was the most amazing thing i'd ever seen so every night up until right we took her to the hospital and she had to we ended up having to put her down she had an autoimmune disease but every night she made a nest for those babies and they were bigger than her. Like her babies now, Chuck weighs like 850 pounds. Like he was a newborn when we got them together. None of them ever challenged her like she was the mother. And so like she would go to the hospital because she had foot infections and all these things. And when she would come home, the babies would run and spin. They're bigger than her at this point. Like they're hundreds of pounds, but they'd run and spin and bump into her because they were so happy she was home. And every night she made them a nest up until the very last time she could. And it's like that she's amazing and and i and the day we put her down like this whole staff lost it because she's like she's the matriarch like even with us and so but when you would see her um and she had people visit that were also did the rescue so people like julie comes from dc every year to see her she came every year and brought her gatorade and she'd yell like come here nikki and nikki would knew it was her and would run up and be like ah. they make this talking noise 
Um, and she'd like feed her these bottles of Gatorade. And then the staff would be like thinking she was bleeding because she had like red Gatorade <laughs> all over her face. And I'd be like, no, Julie's here uh, because she always did it. But she touched so many people mm. um, because of the fact that she, A, she got out of that system, but she proved wrong every single thing that industry says about these pigs, that they kill their babies, that they'll eat their babies because they're hungry. They'll do all these terrible things. They won't. And that they take the mothering instinct out of them because they, they don't, they don't want to be mothers. That's bullshit. Like the, you can't take these instincts away from them. Given the opportunity. They'll be who they are. Like the turkeys try to fly, they just can't. Like they, they want to do everything that you. We put animals in bodies that just don't work the same way, but their their brains are exactly the same, and they're great mothers and they're great family members. Turkeys are amazing mothers. Like all of these animals are, they have everything that they would have had if we would have just let them alone, but they would have the right body. We just all we did was we changed their body, and and tried to break their spirit. But once that spirit's allowed to come back, it comes back. And that's the thing. So again, if I would have taken any other animal out of that industry, if any animal right now, if I went and got a gestation sow, she would become a good mother here. Like she could be a fantastic mother and have a fantastic life. It's just that they're stuck. And, and we, need to, we need people to see that they're stuck and we need people to see that by eating that product that we're creating this system. If there was no demand, that system wouldn't exist. And somehow that's the hardest piece. Yeah. To understand the, so simple. the plate. Yeah. I don't know. It's very simple to change though. And that's the thing. It's like, if I think, I think most people genuinely love animals. I just don't think, A, they know how to do it because they've just done it for so long. And B, they understand these animals really are really cool and kind and wonderful and loving. It, 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 we've just been so brainwashed by a system that makes so much money. So we just have to unbrainwash people. And I think the best way to unbrainwash is with love and kindness and, and stories of animals that are loving and kind. So Yeah, the stories, storytelling, and that's something I learned from Joanne. Yeah, she's amazing. That, um, yeah. You know, we tell stories all the time between humans. Yeah. And it affects, it affects what we, change. What, it, it makes change because yeah. we, we, we get to feel uh, the experience that that person might have gone through. It's the same thing, you know, just because they look different. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. We've got to, we even need to re-teach uh, or think the way we're approaching some of the stuff we're going about within our own right vegan now. circle. Oh, yeah. Is that, no, we do have this tool that we can use and it's yeah. storytelling. It is. It's, it's That's it's, why it's, Joanne's it, so successful. I mean... She's amazing her, at what she does. No, no, and her pictures are amazing. Yep. And, and she's like, you know, she's an introvert. She's very like, you know, she's, she's got such a, an amazing personality. And, and going up to speak, like, like when I go up to speak, I'm like, ah, like I'm like really loud. And she, she's very poised and quiet and gentle and wonderful. And she does work that most people couldn't even dream of doing. It's so painful because she wants to take those animals out too. But she does, sorry, I, I, I talk a lot. Uh, but she's, she's amazing. And, and, and so, yeah, like I'm, I've been so excited. That, like she's, when she comes, it's like, it's like a member of my family is coming. So it's like she's coming home. Mm. Um, and she's so comfortable here. She's allowed to go anywhere she wants and take pictures because she kind of grew up on this farm. And it's, it's such an amazing thing. But that, I, that's what I tell people. I do an in, we do intern lunches. And, and one of the questions I'm always asked is like, what can I personally do? Do what you're good at. 
and turn it into some form of advocacy. Don't try to do something just because someone else is doing it. Like, don't, you don't have to try to be a photographer. She is a photographer. She took that and she uses it for good. So we can take the gifts that we have. Artists are fantastic. Sue Ko, are you kidding? Sue Ko is the most amazing artist and she's captured factory farming and farming in a way that no one else has. And she's a famous artist. So take the gifts that you have and run with those, man. And, and if you're a good speaker, you're a good storyteller, you're good whatever, just run with it and do it. And, and I think we could conquer the world with just the passions that we have and putting them to good use. I think that's an excellent place to wrap it up. But that is such a good message. And it is one I learned from Joanne at that yeah. at that meeting. You're right. She's pretty poised. She's pretty calm. But she definitely got that message across. I yeah. heard it at least anyway. It just made me think about that exact thing. Yeah. Everyone has some kind of creative Something. power, yeah. uh, you know, creative um, thing that they're they're more drawn to or they're better at and it made me realize that you can flip any of those things that is your strong suit yeah and you can make it work for you in animal advocacy right so i think it's really important for anyone out there that's kind of wondering you know but i'm not a photographer i don't like going to pig saves you know i don't don't like poop (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I right. can't work with them. <laughs> so whatever it is that you don't like, yeah. probably not so don't focus so much on what you're uh you're not liking about the movement. Yeah. Think about what you're really good at yeah. and find a way to tweak it so that you can show it with good cooks with animals. have made it work. Think about it. Yeah. Those vegan cookbooks, like people that can cook, cook. Yep. I mean Danielle Konya from Vegan Treats, like the best food on the planet, like the best desserts on the planet, like took her skill set. Instead, she didn't say like, "Oh, I got to work at a sanctuary. I'm gonna have to go work at like an advocacy group." She created a bakery mm. that is like everybody knows. So it's like all of these things. Like we're all so good at something, and food. Let me tell you, food is what brings people together. Like it does. We just cooked um, out of a. Out of a recipe book, we'd never had it before, but it was uh, cookie vegan cookie in a skillet. I like a cookie in a skillet. We'd never how done would you it. Not like a cookie in we'd a skillet. We'd never done it before. We <laughs> yeah. were see, and how and how easy is it, and how good is it? That's the thing. Yeah, we were stoked. <laughs> and, and give people those tools too, because that's the other thing is we have a bunch of people that have a skill set that's not being used. Give people new tools. Like oh, there's dairies closing all over the place here right now because the mm. industrial dairies are taking over. It's not just because there's more vegan milks, but that is playing a role give farmers who are some of the hardest working people on the planet something else to do get there should be a whole advocacy group that's like trying to rehabilitate farms into like solar farms or vegetable farms or something because you have a working group of people don't take from them and not give them something back we're asking them to change and if by changing you lose everything that's a lot harder to make that change give them something like there's so there's a million things to do still millions Get out there and do it. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I think the um, the industry that they work for yeah. and blood, sweat and tears, their own, yeah. put it put into their work. I know it's not work that we appreciate, but it's work that they've possibly done over generations. Yep. You've got to understand and empathize with that. The funny thing I find about it is the first people to throw them out and toss them out is the very industry that they're working for. It is. They're more abused by the industry than by us, by a long shot. (laughs) And then the people that will come in and potentially give them, you know, a new, a new way to use their farm. 
yeah. is is someone that wants berries grown or oats grown right. for you know and and show them a new way that they can they can still use their infrastructure but let's do it in a different way in a kind way yeah exactly Meet people with kindness and just try to help yep and that does work a lot better love it Susie thank you so so much for giving up the time we went overboard a little bit but um yeah <laughs> amazing to meet you thank you stoked to have to you, you on and uh look forward to releasing this episode and letting go of the cows they're gonna go exactly. out now okay. Let's thank do you it. thanks Susie bye that was an awesome chat hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did after the show Susie took Anna and I around the farm we hung out with a bunch of cows sheep goats it was an awesome day so we really can't thank her enough for spending the time with us if you do have any questions for me about the podcast or any of my guests please reach out to me and follow on Instagram at VegTalk. That's V-E-D-G-E-T-A-L-K. I'd love to hear from you. Your support really means a lot to me. Also, if you have a spare couple of minutes and have enjoyed listening to the VegTalk podcast, it'd be greatly appreciated if you can leave a review and a rating. It really helps the show reach more people around the world. I'll talk to you all next week. See you then.